And welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, good morning, sir. This time, it's actually morning. I actually say that. How rare is this? We're actually talking in the morning. It's like 10.30 in the morning right now. Oh, I forgot my watch. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, we. it's like 10.30 in the morning. We just came off of a big day of streaming yesterday. And we're right back into it. We, yeah, what, since 5 till like... 11.30 Roughly or something 5 like to 11.30 or so yeah. last night. You it was, know, it was a long day of, of streaming. Yeah. We got good. three episodes done. So, and yep. then we're going to get the last two done today. That's right. And then for all our audio and visual listeners on YouTube, uh, you'll get them over the next five weeks. Uh, this would be the third week or so. Yeah. Fourth. Third. Oh, no, this will be week it four. It be four, yeah. Week four and five. Yeah, and, and so if you're listening to this in the future, we highly encourage you, check us out at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. We we go on kind of sporadically, as shown obviously right now, Well, just subscribe because, to us. Yeah, it's our, we're our work schedules. We both mm-hmm. started jobs and moving around, and we had to figure out how what best suits us for like our times off. Like right now, my time off is in the middle of the week. Yeah, Absolutely. So we've already had some surprises that we should talk yeah. about real quick. Uh, like, I think you were pretty surprised that Gizmos is not in my top forty. Yeah, um, no, I, I you you tout that game like there's mm-hmm. no tomorrow. And Time Stories dropped to fifty two for me, even though that would have been one of my top ten number of years back in ago. the day. Yeah, Juicy Fruits both made both of our list. list, and we just recently played it uh, as the time of recording. What two three weeks ago? Right. <laughs> Five Tribes was both of our number, number 66. Or number 66, yeah. Yep. So, uh, oh, obviously this goes without saying, if you haven't listened to the other episode, why are you, why are you jumping right ahead? ahead? yeah. You know. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> Spoiler alert, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to re- uh, reiterate, no, we said in the past episodes, this is a special board game breakdown that we're doing. Um, normally, we do interviews with designers or publishers about board games and their 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 catalog and their library. We thought this would be an interesting board game breakdown to break down our top 100 games because the final episode will be our 100th recorded episode. That's right. So why why is why did we pick the top 100? Why did we finally decide to do it? I, I think the big part of it is because we're starting to get a following and people are starting to understand where we're coming from when it comes to board gaming, and so. We're giving them opinions on what we like. So if they say, hey, I like a lot of those games that he likes, then maybe they'll check out others of my top 100 or vice versa with yours. And it's basically just to plug it out there and help people make a decision on what they want to play. Right. Exactly. So we're going to jump right into it. This episode right now will be our number 40 through 21. Can't believe we've already made it this far. Uh, and we've had some surprises, like we were saying earlier, but now I think is where the yeah. fists may fly a little bit. Uh, yeah, there's some surprises in here for me. Right. I, I think you're going to be very, very surprised by ours. So, same thing. We have our Die of Doom. We're going to figure out who goes first. One, two, three, four, five, six. Hey, I finally you start one. finally go. All right. <laughs> it's taken us four different recordings, but I finally <laughs> can start. And so we're moving into our number 40s, our, our 40 through 21, and I'm starting it off with my number 40 game, a game that I talk about a lot, I really enjoy. It is a Simon game, and it's a Viking game. Champions? Midgard? Simon. That's not Simon, is it? No, that's, that's Gray Fox. This one is Blood Rage. 
Uh, I have a great time playing this game. I, I love the drafting mechanism and the fighting in it. And we mentioned it uh, last time we talked about Ankh, which was a few weeks back, that out of the three, this is probably my second favorite one. And I think the other one is higher. And you can kind of guess what it is. I don't know because I haven't looked at my list for a while. So I don't know where it's going to land. But Blood Rage is a phenomenal game. I have a great time playing it. Uh, I love the minis on this one. This is when they were still, I think, cool mini or not. And they were cool minis when they came out. And so it's very enjoyable. And I have a great time playing it. Um, so nine number 40 is Blood Rage. Yeah, good pick. I need to play this one again, because I only played it that once, and I didn't yeah. quite enjoy it, but I feel like if I played it again, I might enjoy it even more. Which is weird, because you you pick the, like, the most random uh, way to play, which is what it is. It's random. Yeah. You, you played the Loki and trying to kill all your characters. Yeah, yeah I was... It, it, it did well. Yeah, I was just... I, I saw that uh, our mutual friend Bryce, the Game Head Geek, is that his yeah. name on TikTok? Uh, TikTok? Yeah. Uh, I saw that he was going for like the beastly power, yeah. you know, like he was ready to floor floor everybody by beating them in war. So I'm like, all right, well, I might as well be fodder, <laughs> you know, let's go out in a blaze of glory. So why not? And you only lost to him like six points or something it like was, that. It was, it was really a really close. small margin. Yeah. Absolutely. So my number 40 is one that you already brought up, hmm. uh, and it is a classic game as far as I'm concerned, and... The same thing that you said is that it took a, me a really long time to find a copy of this. But when you you and I finally got it to the table, we, it's like, wow. We can see why this won the Spiel des Jahres. Turn in Taxis. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing game. It, it's a very simple game. You're just going to be drawing a card, playing a card, and then doing one other action, which is either draw a second card, play a second card, um, refresh the the list of them, or something else i forgot what the fourth one is it was kind of a weird one yeah but oh no i uh, get a wagon that's like too higher yeah yeah something yeah. like that it's super simple game and i absolutely love it i wish that they made like a usa version of it yeah to try and get people like i i, I imagine it would be like kind of chalked up with uh ticket to ride people will see it and go oh well, it's just like a ticket to ride clone but it's a very different game but it and it's not much heavier than ticket to ride but man does it go over well yeah so much to the point where I ended up buying the expansion, which honestly has no right being in a box that size. Did you, <laughs> did you see the components for the expansion? No. It's like a deck of cards, like that big. Oh, it, like it's, the, it's the Machi Koro thing. Absolutely. A yeah. big box for like a pack of cards. Well, I mean, considering I could put the base game in that smaller expansion box, <laughs> you know, and, and combine everything in there. But I think it's a phenomenal game. I, I'm looking forward to playing it again. Uh, that is my number 40, Turn in Taxis. All right, that's that's a good pick. I think it was my ninety nine or one hundred. It was it was in the back end, but yeah, no, I really dig that game. It's it's phenomenal. You only played it the once, right? yeah, yeah. So I mean, that there you go. So speaking of a game, I've only played once. I have not played this just once. This is probably one of my favorite games of all time, and it's proven at thirty nine. You just mentioned it when I was talking about Blood Rage. It's the worker placement oh. Viking game, Champions yep, of Midgard. I dig this game. I like the the worker placement aspect of it. I love the dice rolling, and I will say with a caveat that you at least need to play it with the Valhalla expansion. This way, when you lose your dice, you still can do stuff in the game because your die when your dice die, your people die, 
they go to Valhalla and you get rewarded uh, by buying cards or points and some powers up in Valhalla as well if you use the, the chits that it comes. I think it's a phenomenal game with Valhalla. Uh, base game, I, I enjoy it. I like it. But Valhalla just put it up an, uh, another level. So for like for me, I think I rate Champions of Midgard maybe a 7. Um, with Valhalla, it jumps it to an eight, eight, or 8 or 9. I really, really enjoyed the Valhalla expansion. Dark Mountain, you don't really need. I like the fact that you could go fight monsters uh, in the mountain. Uh, you can also fight uh, monsters at the sea, and that's how some ways to get your points. Uh, fighting trolls are very important because uh, you cast blame on other people. So if you don't fight the troll, everybody gets blame. And so blame compounds. So one is only negative one point, but five can become negative 20 points or something like that. So I, I really enjoy this game. Uh, Champions of Midgard, number 39. Yeah, it's one of those games that, like, the expansion is absolutely necessary. It's tolerable yeah. with, without the expansion at best. Uh, and But, yeah, I, I was definitely impressed when I actually played with the expansion. It made way more sense. It had a purpose to half the dice, and it mitigated a lot of the luck that was involved yeah. in the base. So, good pick. My number 39 is... A card game, but it's a dudes on a map kind of game. Yeah, you're. It's actually area control, and it's a small card game. Comes in a box about yay big. It's from Fantasy Flight, uh... and you have never played this one. I know that because I've I've only ever been able to play it once since I've owned it, and the other time I had played it was up in Albuquerque when I lived up there. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, because you mentioned this one before. I just yeah. can't remember the name of it. Condottiere. Ah, that one. Yes, <sighs> and it's awesome. Like it. It's it's interesting how it works because you have, uh, you know, this map that's folded out. I think it's Italy. I don't remember off the top of my head. But um, you're you're trying to vie for power, but then only certain regions will score. But then you are also bidding on how many you're trying to put into each of the regions by playing cards. And there's really great ways to do it. Like they they're basically numbered one through ten, and they're power mm-hmm. in different ways. But there's ways to like completely turn everybody else's cards into ones there's ways to do like uh i mean it's it it, i'm my memory's failing me but there's so many different ways to manipulate other players playing but effectively yeah but effectively you're just playing cards and kind of outbidding players and it's a a really neat area control card game that's condottiere and i i can't wait to show you again one of these days uh so moving on to my number 38 if i remember correctly we're on that one yep this is a newer game. You mentioned it on one of the other podcasts, not on your list, but you thought this would have been on my list, and it is. Okay. Uh, this one is a deck building worker placement game. Uh, Dune Imperium, I'm guessing. Yeah. Right? Yep. I dig this game. I'm a, a huge sci-fi fan. I wow, it's already up this high. Yeah, that was fast. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really dig this game. Uh, I'm shocked that it's this high. I thought it would probably maybe make it in like the 70s, the 80s, mm-hmm. and then it made it all the way to. Uh, 38 i dig this game it's a it's beautifully produced they're already releasing an expansion for it i have a pre-order on the upgrade pack so i'll get minis instead of the little wooded meatballs and some uh, i got uh, card sleeves because the specific ones for this game because it's gonna need them if i keep playing Mm -hmm. it as much as i'm gonna i think i'm going to because it has a, a fantastic solo mode and I really enjoy uh, playing it against other people. It's a bit longer for a deck builder. Mm-hmm. 
most deck builders you expect to be 45 minutes to an hour this one can be about sure. an hour and a half but i really love it you got some area control you have some worker placement you got some deck building you only really get to use two of your cards for the worker placement so you play a card and your worker goes into that location where it's played and you can get a reward for it but the three cards that you have left over can help you at the back end whether it's giving you more warriors when you're in a battle or giving you more like money to buy cards to add to your deck so i find this game very uh fantastic i love the fact that it's based off the newer movie so the artwork uh doesn't look all 80s style like the the dune game on my shelf of shame right there Mm -hmm. it's phenomenal i really enjoy it so my number 38 dune imperium cool my number 38 is a cooperative game from friend of the podcast fireside games i think you kind of see where this is going oh yeah yeah which one do you think it is okay so co-op by fireside game which they do a lot of so there's two that already come to mind here and i don't think it's one of them so i'm thinking it's the firefighting one hot shots hot shots yeah oh my god hot shots is so good it it's combining press your so hot shots is a game where you are uh you are hot shots you're firefighters fighting forest fires Mm -hmm. and you have this hex grid map and you are trying to just deal with the fire as best as you can as it's spreading across. All of the tiles work in different ways. Some of them have vehicles that you're able to use that give you special ways to help put out the fires. Some You're able to put brakes down to, to potentially stop you know small embers from going over. Sometimes it might be gusty winds that you're dealing with. And it's fully cooperative. What makes it so good is that it's a dice press your luck game. And that in cooperative, why hasn't that been done more? And not just that. Uh, the co-op part of it is like you can help your partner mm-hmm. on their turn if you're with them in the same area. But you got to be careful because it can hurt you when it's your turn. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's that risk and reward thing. Obviously, you want to spread and, and try and deal with as many fires as you can. But if you're on your own, your resources are limited. If you say yeah. as a group, you're only focusing on one spot but, and everything else might get out of control. Yeah. It's so smart. Every Everything that... It, it's super thematic. It works really well. There's a propane tank tile. <laughs> or if that over... If that gets, you know, burnt burnt down, then, you know, everything else spreads. Yeah, it's insane. It's so good. Um, Justin really knocked out of the park with this. And yeah, it's really good. I, I feel like if anybody played Castle Panic and thought, like, okay, I like the theme, it, it's neat, but it's it's too lucky, this should be your next play. Because this is a really yeah, great It's not that lucky. It's, it's, a press, it's press your luck, but it's not that lucky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is a lot of strategy that goes into it, and I enjoy myself every single time I play it. I can't suggest it more than enough. It's really one of the best co-op games I've ever played. Hot Shots. All right, you ready for shock? Let's hear it. You want to guess what my thirty-seven is? Uh, Gloomhaven. No, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's not a shock. Uh, one we've already talked about, already made your list, and I thought it would have been higher. You thought it would have been higher on my list? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, uh, either Gingerbread House, Hero Realms, nope. uh, Patchwork. You were you were close with Gingerbread House. It's Phil Walker Hard and Gizmos. Yeah. Really? My number 37 yeah. is Gizmos. 
And I've talked about how I don't like it as two players, and that's sure. fine. I I don't like it at two players. I've tried it a couple times at two players, and it just it's not as fun as it can be if you play with the full contingent. Uh, this is one of the full games I I say you play with the high player count, four players, or at minimum three. But four, it seems because the marbles are cycling, you're getting things done, your gizmos are triggering a lot better as you're going around. It's a phenomenal game. It's a really good Phil Walker Harding. It's not the highest on my list just by looking at what's coming up. So <laughs> It may or may not be highest on my list, too. We'll see. Uh, but I, I have a great time with this one. Really good production. I have the second edition, so I have the plastic container, um, whereas the other one is, I think, cardboard, mm-hmm. like a Potion Explosion. And it's just, if you got a chance, and I think this is all what they sell, but if you got a chance, get the one that says second edition on it because yeah. that cardboard is not great. I mean, it's not terrible. It's functionally fine, but it's not. It's nowhere near as. Good. It's <laughs> it, only like a dollar more. It's it's a pain in the butt to no. keep, and you you might have to glue it together. I know with the potion explosion, some people have glued the the contraption together. With yeah. this one, I think Gizmos uh, they knocked it out of the park once they realized you know what this cardboard's not going to work. We'll just pay a little bit more for the plastic. Uh, yep. there, there's one little thing I have about with the plastic one is. Sometimes, because it sits a little higher from where the marbles go, you have to wiggle around your hand in the thing for the marbles Mm -hmm. to pop down. But other than that, Gizmos is a phenomenal game about building your own machines. You talked about it uh, on the last episode, so don't need to go too much into it. But yeah, number 37, Gizmos. My number 37 is a game that you have not played. Um, I had been searching for this game for probably about eight or nine years, ever since I first played it. I absolutely fell in love with it because I found a copy of it online. And then as soon as I found it available for sale, which is super out of print now, I jumped on it. It's called Expedition Northwest Passage. Ah, yeah, yeah. You talk about this one all the time. I I talk about this one all the time, and that's because it's so neat how it works. It's a tile lane game, and all the tiles are either uh, squares or dominoes, and they're either water or iceberg. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to find the Northwest Passage, of course. You start on the east end, you're trying to go west, and you're trying to lay down these icebergs uh, or glaciers and trying to find the path going between it. You have two different ways of transport. You have boats and you have uh, sleds. And so in the boats, obviously, you can only go through the water, but eventually you'll have to deploy your your sled. And you have to... You have to specify which workers go to that sled because as long as they're in different spots, you can only work with them at their specific location okay. until they come back into it. And it matters because there's a token that goes around the board of like one and a half times in different spots. And everything south of that token, it, the water stays water. But once it goes down to the bottom part of the board, that means everything's frozen over and your boat can no longer travel on the water paths. Okay. You can only go by sleds. And so it it's this cool little like give and take of like when do I deploy the sled? I'm trying to get to these glaciers. I have cairns before everybody else for points. I it might not even be possible for me to get to the northwest passage because at the end of the game you want to get back to the to the east side of it too. So yeah, it'd be great if you found the passage, but you might also be stuck. <laughs> and if you can't get back, then yeah, you know, we all know what happened. Yeah, exactly. It's not pleasant. <laughs> But it's it does so many cool things that I hadn't seen in other games. So that's Expedition Northwest Passage, my number thirty seven. Uh, that that's an interesting pick. I I do need to try this one. Mm-hmm. And I'm being attacked right now by my dog. So 
Both of them are in here now. Yep. Uh, moving on to my number 36, it's also, and you can actually see her on the screen, uh, my number 36 is a new, relatively recent game. I think it came out in 2020 or, yeah, I think it's 2020. And I dig the mess out of this, though it's it's a bit lucky. And it's another Funko Games game by Prospero Hall. I mean, there's so many to choose from. Uh, this one involves dice rolling. Okay, there's still so many to choose from. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I don't think it's Funkoverse. Uh, it's Funko Games. I, I don't... I mean, I'm assuming... And it's right above your head. Is it horrified? Nope, it's Back to the Future, Back, oh, back in to the Time. Future. Okay, I didn't see that. <laughs> the yellow on the white. No, you're right. That is very dice driven. It, it it's it's very lucky at times. I have a great time playing it though. I love this game. I love the art in it. I think it's well designed. The the dice tower, clock tower could be built a little better. But I understand why it's as flimsy as it is mm-hmm. because it's they a cheap sell point for Target and stuff like that. Uh, it's a great game. I have a mess out of it. I love the IP to begin with. Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies of all time. And the big issue with this one for me is that it finally gave me a good Back to the Future game. There was that push your luck one. I think it was like Back in Time. And there's a... Out of Time. Out of Time. There's another one that just recently came out by Ravensburger. It it seems good. I haven't played it, but... um, I did pick up a copy of that, so if you want to play... Yeah, but uh, this one does what it should do. It deals with time traveling by not dealing with time traveling. It's the the basis of the movie of you trying to get back in time while keeping your parents, uh, Marty's parents together or getting them together and you know trying to keep biff away from splitting them up or the picture fades it's it's difficult it's very difficult because you gotta find a way to mitigate everything that's going on and still be able to bring your parents together or else you are going to fade away but i i dig this game a lot i enjoy every minute of it it's probably one of the few games i rate as high as nine Mm -hmm. i don't rate a lot of games in the nine and ten region for that specific reason but it's up there. I think it's about a nine. I really enjoy this game. I have a great time with it. And again, the art is phenomenal in this one. Yeah, it's really good. Have you beaten it yet? Yes. Okay. Once. I have. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> seen it being beaten. I, I believe it's possible, but man, yeah, it, 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 it's difficult. Uh, it's just you have to play smart. Uh, one person, their whole job is to mess with Biff. You got to go take care of some of those things that come out, the scenarios that come out, yep. because you need those rewards, whether it's more dice or uh, being able to mitigate dice or mitigate the Biff rolling. And so getting all that done and someone else's job is to move the car and get the car parts. And so you just have to be smart about it. Yep. You got to make sure you have Einstein on the field where he could scare Biff away. Yeah. That's so useful. Yeah. Einstein is, is really a useful character. Cool. Yeah, good pick. Um, that was my number 273. Uh, I'm not as big of a fan of it as you. Yeah. I still have my... I think I saw my copy of Out of Time. Huh. I may may or may not. It, it's I, I didn't like Out of Time. It, if I do, I'm probably going to trade it in <laughs> yeah. because I haven't found it yet. But I don't remember if I do. My number 36 <sighs> is uh, probably my most played game out of all of these. And that I've probably logged in maybe about 100 plays in the past couple years. 
And that's because it's on my phone. Yeah, I, once you said your most played game, I knew which one it was. Which one? It's the Oniverse. It's Oniram. Yep, Oniram. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. Solo game. And I ended up having to buy the physical copy. Yeah. Because, one, I wanted to support it because I've played, I've gotten so much play out of it. Yeah. I bought every expansion that's available on the app. And I found out that there is a total of seven expansions for it that are all included in the base game. Yeah. And there's only like three or four in the app. And so I was able to play other new variations that are just awesome. And it's super fun. I can't encourage this one enough. It is a solo-only card game. I mean, you could technically play it two-player. Two but players, but yeah, nah, why would it's, you? It's a solo game. And if you are at all unsure about solo gaming or card management, app. get the app. It's free. Yeah. And it's really good. It's free. It actually comes with like one of the expansions for free as well. No, it doesn't come with any for free. Um, I haven't bought any of the expansions, and the only one I have is the... the. Um... I think you have to unlock it. Yeah, but... Maybe. I don't yeah, remember. but I ended up getting it for free. I didn't. I haven't put money into that. Like, I have Ascension, and I have one of the expansions. Weird. Okay. Uh, well, it's the one. Mine, but... It's the one that has the... I think it's the spirals. Okay. Yeah, uh, like the little warp gates or whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's the first one. It, it's... Oh, man. Oniram is so good. I kind of want to play it right now while we're talking. But Yeah, no, I have a great time with Oniram. The only reason why it's not on my list is because I've never actually logged it into play because I only play on the app. <laughs> You'll... I'll lend you my copy if you want to count it. Would, but it, it, would it, this have been top oh, It would have been top 100, probably top 50. Really? Yeah, wow. I really dig this game. I didn't realize you liked it this much. Yeah, I I play it all the time on the app. It's one of the few apps that I, I cycle in and out of my apps for phone space. So, But it's okay. the only one that hasn't been cycled out. That and Ascension are the only two that haven't been cycled out. Yeah, those are really the best. I, I wonder how Castles of Burgundy the, the app is. I hear that's pretty decent. So yeah, I heard it's I'm okay. i try that. I, Oniram, my number 36. Moving on to my number 35. And I think this is the only restoration game on my list. I, I'll be surprised if there's something else on here. But, uh, oh, no, no, no. There is a higher restoration game than I think of it. But this is uh, their one of their big board games. Okay. And they just released a smaller version in Target. Uh, Downforce? Yes. Okay. I was about to say, if you say Fireball Island. No. I mean, no offense to Restoration Games. Fireball Island is fine, but it's not that good. No, it's not. I, I don't enjoy Fireball Island. It's probably my least favorite of the Restoration line. Uh, but this one is Downforce, and this is by far my favorite racing game um, at that. Uh, yeah. What I like about it is that you can... Um, play cards to drive other people's cars across the, the thing and you still have a chance of winning even if you're not the one, first one across the finish line because of how you place your bets and how much you spent in the beginning of the game mm -hmm. to, to get your drivers and their powers, the cars okay. that you're going to be controlling. I love that aspect of it because even if I don't do well moving my car or I get blocked in a place because you got those curves and you got to be smart about how you turn your car around, uh, I think it's phenomenal. I've seen a lot of uh, our mutual friend Bryce that we talked about earlier. He's upgraded his with Mario Kart characters, uh, or uh, not Mario Kart, Cars characters from the no, Micro Machine Cars. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I've seen people do it with the Mario. They get the Mario Kart Gamer and they use those on the tracks as yep. well. And I think it's phenomenal. I think it's a really great game. It's really smart how they uh, redid this game with the card play, no dice rolling like Formula D or Day mm -hmm. or whatever it is. 
I enjoy the mess out of this game, and I've never had a problem playing this one. If someone says, hey, let's play a racing game, I highly suggest Downforce. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, the only thing is I don't like the bidding on it. Like that, it, uh, If you play with experienced players and it's the first time you played it, you're going to be trounced easy. Yeah, you, uh, the big thing I tell players is don't bid high. Even no. if you're going to lose out on the thing, you're eventually going to get something because everybody's going to get something. And be smart about it because um, every m- amount you bid is going to be subtracted from what you win in the game. And so you just got to pay attention that who's leading and how people are playing and how they're driving the forces of the car because there's three lines that you bid on when um you bid in the the beginning of the game so more than likely you're going to bid what your car is going to be but in the next part of it when you cross that line you're seeing who's leading but you're like okay these cards have already been played i don't think it's going to win but i think this guy who's in second has a better chance because he hasn't been slung like the first one is in the beginning of the game so it's just you just got to keep an eye on what's going on in the, the field like how things are being played and how things are being moved because everybody has almost the same amount of cards in their hand okay that's cool uh do you have anything i could borrow as a shield real quick because i feel like i'm gonna need it for this next one All right, so my number 35, Gloomhaven. <laughs> I know, it's low. But you haven't played it as much as I, I have. So. I've only played it a few times, a handful of times. One was when you played it, and then three times doing Jaws of the Lion. Yeah. Or four times doing Jaws of the Lion with my son. We only played through the first three scenarios, and he ended up just not playing it. So those are the only times I've played it. I, I respect it. I think I'm going to like it way more. It'll probably climb. But right now, I know you're going to talk about it at some point, so I'm just going to belabor the fact that that is only my number 35. There's 34 other better games. No, there isn't. So far. (laughs) You're wrong. No. um... You're going to hate the next one. (laughs) (laughs) That it it beat it out. But that's where I'll leave it there. I I respect it. It's a good game. I think with Gloomhaven, it's probably one of my most played games. Yeah. So... Between Jaws of Lion and Gloomhaven in the last year, I think I had about, I'm at 24, 25 plays of it. Which is Between the two, yeah. I yeah. mean, there's 19 in the, uh, we played in Jaws of Lion, because the way our scenario busted out, it came out to 19 plays of mm-hmm. that one. And I think we just played recently the 12th or 13th game. So I'm probably actually in 40 games in the last year wow. of Gloomhaven. That's ten times as many as I have in the past two years, even. <laughs> so, moving on to my number 34, and uh, we talk about it a lot, and it was on our instant buy, Phil Walker-Harding. Here's another Phil Walker-Harding game. Uh, this one is actually a quick and simple card game that he designed. Not the one you're thinking of. The other uh, flipping right game, Silver and Gold. Yep. Uh, I... I've talked about it a lot, so I won't belabor too much in the pod, this part of the podcast that it's a go-to game for us. Like if I'm over to a friend's house and we're swimming in a pool and we just need a quick game to play while we're having lunch or something like that, it's Silver and Gold is one of the first ones we bust out. Super Mecha Lucky Box, I think, might surpass this eventually because I just love that bingo aspect of it and trying to make sure you get the moons and the lightning bolts. But this one... It's simple. Yeah, uh, flip a polynomial card and you mark off cards in your things. Once they're completed, they're going to be your points at the end of the game. Some of them will give you bonuses for completing certain style of cards. So this one can give me a one point bonus for every sword card I finish. 
you have if you have palm trees, whatever is in the open row uh, that has palm trees, you get points based off of that. So if there's four palm trees, you're getting four points when you mark off a palm tree. If you mark off an X, you get to mark off an extra block. If you mark off a coin, you get to take a coin. The coins are worth, I think, two points for every coin. Um, also, if you get four coins, you can get the highest trophy that's still available. So that's more points. I think it's the the, the first one is six, and then it, it decreases every time. And it's just, it's a phenomenal game. It plays quick. You only play in four rounds, and it takes 20 minutes at that. I have had a blast. And you've shown this to quite a few people who've instantly bought it within yep. the week yeah within the day even <laughs> within the for day. one at least one instance uh, me yeah yeah it, this is one of those things that as soon as i show it to people they 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 stick <laughs> it out it's a really great game yeah i don't disagree with it it wasn't on my list really yeah wasn't on my top 100 hmm. there's just so many other games oh that, yeah and i i, I, I probably really play a lot of more small card games than you do just for I don't think so. <laughs> you have more than I do. And I play I just them regularly. Play, yeah. yeah, I play them often. Oh, I enjoy often. them more than apparently because I got quite a few of them in my top 100. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, my number 34. And and once again, don't hate me for this beating Gloomhaven. Oh, but, I'll just beat you after uh, after we finish okay, the top. that's fine. As long as it's not on camera, I don't think <laughs> legally they can. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'll do it on stream, but I won't do it on the, on the podcast itself. Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, my number 34 is a two-player game from the Cosmos two-player line. And it's about area control on a map. <laughs> it's not Lost Cities. I've already gone over that one. Well, I like this game, but it's not better than Gloomhaven. From as far as I've played on Gloomhaven thus far, like I said, I think Gloomhaven will climb. But right now, considering I've only played like four scenarios, this is better so far. So this is <laughs> this is a Kahuna, a fantastic two-player card. This is freaking me out that you're staring at me that way. <laughs> uh, Kahuna, a phenomenal two-player. Uh, area control you're not allowed to play with the puppy anymore what i think is amazing about kahuna and what i really like about it is it's it's very simple you have to play two cards to build a bridge um so let's say there's two islands um like ahu and fa let's say those are the two right you you either play two of one island or one of each to build the bridge very, or no, I'm sorry. You play one of either of them to build the bridge between it. If you ever have more than half, more than half of... <laughs> this, is, this is making me very difficult to speak. <laughs> if you have more than half of the bridges on the island, which are anywhere from three to five or six, um, then you immediately gain control of the island. You put your token on there. But you can pay two of those to break an opponent's bridge. And if they lose control of that, then their token is gone. Finally, if you gain control of an island that your opponent has bridges for, theirs are immediately discarded, which might make them lose control of other islands. Very smart. You play over three rounds, reshuffle the cards. Uh, first round, whoever has a majority gets one point. Whoever has majority in the second round gets two points. And then the third round gets points equal to how many more islands they control than their opponent. I lost all respect for you. Well, it was bound to happen at some point today. <laughs> I think I'll win you back with the next few, but Kahuna, Kahuna, is, Kahuna better, no, absolutely. No, no. Number 34, it's a phenomenal game. No, it's not. 
didn't even make my 285. <laughs> oh, I knew it wouldn't. <laughs> I'm very aware. There's, there's going to be some more upsets, too, but that's definitely... So, my number 33, and glossing over that a travesty <laughs> that just recently happened, um, is probably, from what I can see on this list, I don't have my top 20 in front of me, but on this one, I think it is my highest Cthulhu game. And it's one I talk about all the time, so again, it's another one I'm not going to belabor. It's my favorite solo game that I play just on my own. It's got a campaign story. I talked about it when I talked about Marvel Champions a little bit. And this is Arkham Horror, the card game. I have a great time with this one. I really enjoy playing this. I really thought this this. would be your top five. I thought it would be in the top ten as well. I'm shocked that it made it this, this high, but... I looking at the games that are ahead of it right now, I can understand why it's not that high. But I, I dig this one. Um it's just I have issues with the way and I, I think they're changing that recently with their newest expansion for it, where they're releasing the character boxes so you get all the mm-hmm. characters. Or you can get all the scenarios in one box where instead you're not really chasing that dragon where like there's a whole scenario. I can't get right now. I can't get the third scenario because you can't yeah. get the base box. And then you could get a few of the Mythos packs, but they're like the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth stories. Oh. You can't you get the first skip. two scenarios. Yeah. yeah. And so I can't get the Path of Carcosa right now. Um, last I checked. So it's hard for me to get into it. I still haven't finished the second one just because I'm like, I don't want to keep playing it. And then not can't, and then I have to go to season four. And they're pretty self-contained, but... I want to get season, or I want to go in secession. It's just it's really pricey to begin with, and then when you can't find one, yeah. you could find the base game, no problem. Everywhere sells it pretty much. You could still buy the base game. Why can't I? If you're you're supporting that, why aren't you supporting the cycles? Yeah, keep printing them too. People are going to pay for it. If someone's just getting into it, um, you are going to hurt them by not allowing them to keep playing it, and you're losing money in a sense. Right. No, that I I really do want to play that one. It sounds fun. Sounds like something I would enjoy. It's just that, you know, I've never gotten a chance to play it yet. Maybe you'll lend me your copy one of these years. <laughs> one of these years, it's right there. All right, hey, thanks. <laughs> the oh, also they need to make it in a bigger box because I can't keep everything in there. So if you notice on my shelf, I just have a. You can't see it behind him. I have the base game box, and then I have the pack sitting on top of everything else because I can't fit them in the. The base game. I have to get a special thing for it, like what you did with Dominion. Yeah, yeah, special case. Speaking of Dominion, my number 33 is not Dominion. It is a cooperative game that I know you and I both very much enjoy. Uh, it is right above my head, and it is a horror-themed game. Prospero Hall. Yeah, it horrified. Yeah. It's so good. Absolutely love it. I imagine you're going to talk about it later, so I won't say too much about it. Horrified is fantastic. It takes the pandemic uh, mechanism where basically... I mean, it still uh, hurts that it's a head of Gloomhaven, but this one I can understand. But Kahuna... <laughs> yeah, it, it this barely made it past Kahuna. I mean, that's a, Kahuna set a high bar, let me tell you. No, I the, this one is, is good. I like it, and I'm incredibly excited about the new one that's coming out. The American Horror. Oh. I, want, I want to play the Chupacabra. I want to play Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. I, I, as I much as I like that. the classic horror movies, the classic monster movies, I right. wasn't sure how they were going to do like a sequel or something different with this. And when they said, oh, they're going to do cryptids, I was like, I'm in. 
I love cryptids. Yeah. I, I love Bigfoot. I love uh, the Chupacabra stories. Mothman. I, Mothman. I love all that stuff. The and when they're like, yeah. hey, we're going to do this, I'm like, I'm in. Yep, 100%. Yeah. yeah it's an instant buy for me. And I, in I'm fact, I'm waiting for the, the, the pre-order on Target for I could pre-order it. Just pick it up when it comes out. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to be hunting that down because it's so good. It's, it's worth it. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So that is my number 33, Horrified. Moving on to my number 32, it's another game that you talked up a lot. I, I didn't get a chance to play it uh, till a couple years back when we were at a con and I played with our mutual friend Dom. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with it and I just recently finally got myself a copy of it and it's right there. Space Base? Space Base. Yeah. I dig this game. It... Uh, it pretty much is a Machi Koro killer for me because it does a lot of the same things as Machi Koro does, but better. Because you're invested on everybody's turn. On Machi Koro, you're only really invested on someone else's turn if you have red cards up because they're they're going to trigger for you. This one, all your cards are going to trigger if you put them into after you already ship the rocket and you get the back the red part of it. I forget what it's called in the game itself, but when you replace that yeah. rocket. Uh, so you have cards that will activate on your turn, you'll have cards that will activate on anybody's turn, and then you'll have act, uh, cards that will activate on other players' turn, because um, the green ones will tar- uh, target any time, and the red ones will activate on other players' turn. So if they roll a three, or uh, and you roll both dice at all times, so if they you and you can split them, so if you rolled a three and a four, and it's going to trigger some combos for you, you're going to take the three and four rather than taking the seven. Because the combos are going to work for you. And it's just, it's phenomenal. I really love the game. I haven't seen anybody win with the uh, the I win card just yet. But I've seen people try to do it. And it's a phenomenal game. I really enjoy it. And it's reason why it's in my top uh, 32. I've won with it. <laughs> that you? was a phenomenal moment. I was playing <laughs> with my wife and son. And I I almost jumped from the table. It's like yes, I finally did because it. <laughs> it totally worked. I, I I was able to pull it off. I had to get by every card that would throw dice or throw tokens, charge tokens that way. And essentially, any time that any of that happened, I I bought every card that mattered for that. I knew that that was my goal for the game. So as soon as it came up, I had to buy it. And even my kids were or my son was going against me, really trying to focus his energy on making me lose. Mm-hmm. because he knew that that card was out and that I bought it. And so he, he got very uh, very defensive about that fact. But I still pulled it off. I love that game. Very good. No, I I, I, I dig Space Base. My number 32 is the other Fireside co-op game. Now, this one I knew was going to be on your list. Yeah. I, just, I, I knew Hot Shots was going to probably be on there, but I didn't think it was going to be that high. But I knew this one was going to yeah. be high. Castle Panic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's so good. Tower defense game, it it's very simple, you know. I mean, it's not it's not the most complex game, but there are meaningful choices in it. How you trade, what you discard. Um, the, a lot of people say that it's too simple. I disagree with that, uh, just because the way that everything comes out. Yeah, there's masses of of monsters coming out at all times, you know, and and the way like it accelerates, it's really great. Um, I mean, I'm okay with owning multiple copies of this. I, I backed it for the Kickstarter because I wanted it again. It's super good. It's just, it it's uh, it's one of those ones that I could just keep getting to the table and I have fun every single time I play it. Every expansion adds some really fun stuff. Some really 
terrible things that happen and then some really cool things that help you mitigate it hmm. like, like the crusader who runs around the board and does damage to things that's so fun i love that that choice of what he does but then you also have the dark titan who's big old giant beast who has like up to eight eight uh eight health points it's just it's insane yeah. i can't wait to get the new version i'm looking forward to it a lot but uh castle panic if you like cooperative games this, and uh, you want to play with your family, this is really one of the best. No, I get it. Um, it's really good. Uh, like I said, my pick was Star Trek Panic, but uh, I assumed all the panics. This, for me, it was Star Trek Panic, but I agree. Castle mm-hmm. Panic's really good. And honestly, Munchkin Panic is pretty fun if you can find that one. Yeah. If you, if you like the good. shenanigans of Munchkin and the, the seriousness of the co-op, then I, I say you should get uh, Munchkin Panic. If you want something that actually feels very thematic then the star trek mm-hmm. panic will fit that because you're you're worried about your shields going down and yeah. your all that stuff and the castle panic is just as good too um and if you're not a fan of the generic fantasy pick one of the other two and you'll enjoy it uh yeah. the only one i did not like is dead panic dead panic i i i appreciated it yeah I no no it's fine my copy but yeah it you and i think own you own the base one right no, I don't own the base oh, one okay. anymore. The the only one I I kept was Star Trek Panic, and I recently just got that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I have Star Trek Panic still, and the base, and every expansion for it, really good. Not bad. Uh, so moving on to my number thirty one, we're almost into the top thirty. Yep, we're getting there. This is probably the most historical game on my list. One I talk up all the time, and you haven't played it yet, and I need to show it to you. Okay. And this one is. I guess you could say kind of like a pandemic clone. It's a it's a co op game, and again, it's right above your head. It's freedom, oh, freedom, the yes. Underground Railroad. I truly and utterly love this game. It's probably one of my favorite games. And at one point, it was my grail game. I had a hard time finding this one. What that wasn't expensive. I actually was able to find it at um, Dice Tower Con. In 2019, because they they had just recently done a Kickstarter that I didn't hear about, Academy Games. And Academy Games do um, a great historical aspects and make yeah. them fun. I still need to play my um, uh, One Small Step, which is about the moon landing. But Freedom, the Underground Railroad, I think One Small Step, even if I really, really enjoy it, I don't think it's going to replace uh, Freedom because of the historical context of this game. Yeah. It's not the prettiest game, but it doesn't need to be. It actually uses yeah. historical photographs and gives you a blurb. And there's a thing that you can buy for it that you can use it for teaching in classrooms uh, about the Underground Railroad and the slave trade and how w- wonderful this game is, but how uh sad that moment in history was and so freedom the underground railroad i think everybody should at least play once for they can understand the terror and everything that was going on at that time and this game just doesn't play about freeing slaves into canada this one is about trying to change the people's mind about slavery and so you're playing in three acts and you're trying to change the mind of the populace to make uh, anti-slavery laws and it's a very important game that's out there that teaches a very important subject but does it in a fun way and so freedom the underground railroad deserves to be in my top 50 just for that reason alone how long does it take to play uh probably about uh, hour two hours depending on the number of player counts and what you're doing 
Okay. It, it's not super long, but if it's a first-time play, it might take longer. It'll take a little while. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good pick. Um, I very much want to try this one. It sounds awesome. Yeah. My number 31 is the highest-ranked game on my list that I've only played once. Hmm. And I, I'm curious to see where this is going to fluctuate as I get more plays into it. I know it's going to hit your top 100 as soon as I show you how to play it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Parks. Yeah, no, I've heard really good things about this game, and I love the artwork in that. And that I haven't even played Stunning. it, and I'm saying I love the artwork already yep. in it. Keymaster Games really head out of the park. I've almost picked up uh, Trails because of how good the art is. I, I own Trails. I have not played it. I am highly encouraging you to buy it just sight unseen because mm-hmm. <laughs> I imagine it's really good. No, Parks is fantastic. It's it it's kind of like Ron one directional Rondell, set collection, resource management, worker placement. Everything works differently. The resources aren't just frivolous like whatever you happen to get. Like they have meaning. Water refills your canteen. Uh which gets you abilities. Sunshine gets gear. The other two are more rare, like leaves and mountains. It the animals they have all sorts of different types of animals. Those are all wild. And I love like the weather patterns, add tokens to the board. You're able to go to those for certain combinations. You're basically trading them in as like contract fulfillment, kind of like uh, what we're talking about with Juicy Fruits. But the way everything is implemented is so smart. It works really well. And it's a fun experience every single time I play it. Every time I have played it once. Parks. I can't. I can't encourage it more than enough. It's it's awesome. So that's my number thirty-one. We're halfway through our list for today. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting here that I I really want to play this one. I'm surprised that only one play made it that far. But then again, yes. Juicy Fruit only happened three weeks ago, and it made yep. it both into our top one hundred. So. Everything from this point on, I've played at least a few times. Um. For the rest of this list, I can say yes. I don't know about my top uh, 20 because I don't have it in front of me. I only I break this down for every um, episode, so I don't have the whole 100 in front of me. But moving on to my number 30 is another Phil Walker Harding game. Ooh. Another small card game that I play a mess. I uh, play to uh, you could start in the wear of the tear on my cards, how much we play it. And I've only had it for maybe a year or two years. You you probably know which one this is. Archaeology. Yes, yes. It's Archaeology the New Expedition. I adore this game. Is this is the one we talk about like Sushi Go and other ones that put Phil Walker Harding on my map. This is the one where he it, it showed me that he's an instant buy. How simple this game is and how much fun we can have with it. And it just goes down gangbusters, as I like to say. To mm-hmm. everyone I've showed it to you. I showed it to you. I showed yep. it to our mutual friend Bryce, our other friend Dom. I've shown it to um, my friends Angel Maria. And other than Angel Maria, I think everybody else has bought themselves a copy of it. I think Bryce hasn't just because he can't find it. It's it, it does it's so well. Yeah, it's good. I don't disagree with it. I I think it's fun. Uh, I, I just realized I do have a kind of an argument with the balance, but it doesn't make it less fun. Yeah, but. I just realized I have a run here in a minute. It, the next, uh, the this one and two more in front of it are all Phil Walker right. Harding games. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to give you a clue on my next one. My number thirty. Speaking of outdoor 
nature and like camp and camping and stuff. This is also a Phil Walker Harding game is my number 30. Summer camp? Summer camp. Yep. It hit my list at Well, you know what? I'm going to let you talk about your number 30 because it's also my number 29. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. No, summer camp. So good. Phil Walker Harding. It, it, yeah. We already knew it was an insta buy. Yeah. And then as soon as I found out, it's like, okay, Phil Walker Harding, hold on, is making a deck building game. Because what he does really well, and we've talked about this to death probably by now, is he's able to take a core idea or a core mechanism and and concentrate it in such a refined, streamlined way where it's like there's only just a couple of rules. That's really it. You know, most of his instruction booklets like you can fit on a sheet of paper yeah. and understand how the game plays. But what he creates and the options that he makes for you to do that, when he... When I saw that he was making a deck building game, I already, like, my mind went wild thinking, oh, wow, all of the different ways he could approach it. And I thought it was going to be way simpler than this is, but this is still a really simple game because it's a race game. Yeah. It makes no sense. But <laughs> when you play it, and if you're familiar with his design, you it totally makes sense, too. To the point where, and this is, like I said, my number 29. Yeah. I... This is my go-to deck builder. If someone is yep. like, hey, how does a deck builder work? Or what game should I pick up if I haven't learned a deck builder? It's this one. Uh, Summer Camp is one of the simplest deck builders out there. I love the fact that you can change things out. So you're only ever playing with three of the seven pack of cards in there. Or I think it's like six pack of cards because you have the seventh pack is like the base game. Mm-hmm. Or, or something like that. But you're, you're only picking three of all the cards to play with. And you're just moving along those tracks, first person to hit all three triggers the end game, and whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. Very simple. I, I also like the fact that it's modular boards. Yep. So it changes up how it plays. So some it, and they're they're not major about it, but it just figures out how you get your rewards and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. some allow you to draw extra cards, some allow you to get energy bar or snack bars, which is energy, which is your money in this one. Yep. Um, and you just have a bunch of cards that you can end up buying. Uh, three from the specific packs plus the four, three, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. So it's three of the base game because you have nine cards in total that you oh, can yeah. buy from. And so I really dig this game. The cards are your points as well, as well as if you get into the third side of the board across the second bridge. If you don't finish that, you can still get points. If you try to get no. your camper as far across of that, it's so simplistic. Again, both of us, our only gripe about this is Buffalo Games skimped out on the cards. We're going to have to sleeve, sleeve, it. sleeve all of them. It's, it's not going to be cheap. Uh, and it's like a $25 game. We're going to have to spend another $20, $30 on sleeves yep. to protect this game. It's like you could have just bumped up the price a little bit and give us better card stock. Yeah, that's all it- yeah, it, exactly. That's my only gripe about it. But other than that, the game itself is phenomenal. And the rest of the production is actually really yeah, good. Yeah, really good. It's just, yeah. the, it's a deck builder, so you're going to be playing with the cards all the time. So yep. why don't you put the money in the cards and forget about the cardboard? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next one is technically uh, my number 29. So yeah, yeah. we jumped ahead. <laughs> uh, my number 29 is also a card game that's technically a race game as well. But it's, you know, it's it's about 100 years old. Cribbage. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it, I know. It's a classic. And it, this is the the highest of my classic card games, definitely. And this is the only one that this I... This is the one you talk up all the time. Anyways. Absolutely. It, it wasn't until... I was already a fan of Rummy. I already liked... Uh, 
you know, a lot, some versions of poker are pretty fun. I like some, a lot of trick taking games and I do like a lot of classic card games. Um, but this one, when I learned how to play it, it was absolutely worth the effort that took into it. It took me a couple plays to really get the swing of it. But after that point, so much to the point where, uh, I had a good friend of mine who I worked with and we worked at a, at a call center together yeah. and they were set up with cubicles and you'd sit at your desk and take calls all day. And in between calls, sometimes it would get slow. So in between the cubicles, we would set the cribbage board and we'd play with the cards. It, it was barely big enough to hold the stack <laughs> of cards, but we would play cribbage between each other on that. And God, we probably put in 100, 200 games during working hours. I'm not describing myself very well for future employees, but uh, <laughs> employers. But, you know, it's such a great game. I, I absolutely love Cribbage. <laughs> and uh, Creative Chaos, well, a good friend of the channel, uh, was summoned because <laughs> you, you I said, brought up Cribbage. Yeah. It's so good. It's and a you, good game. I enjoy it. Yeah. I think it was in my top 200. Absolutely. It, yeah. It's fantastic. It, and it gets better every time I play it. And I have more and more fun. Uh, yeah. It, it's the only non, uh, non-marketed non game, I guess. Like, non-modern game that I have... Oh no, it's list. marketed. I, I have a cribbage board right behind Sure, you. yeah, but I mean, it's more like uh, and it's on it, BGG. It's, it's public domain. Yeah, it's not like a licensed game or anything. So cribbage, my number twenty nine. Hey, I, I was mentioning the fact that my next three games were Phil Walker Harding, so thirty twenty nine, and now twenty eight is also a Phil Walker Harding. Ooh, okay. So now is this the the zoo one? Yeah. Okay, Baron Park. Baron wow. Park. I, uh, I, and it's one I don't own. I do have to pick it up. I just haven't yet. I hate the insert too. <laughs> <laughs> the worst insert. The worst. But I love this game. I adore this game. Uh, I don't know what better way to describe this game than it is fun. It, you have to think about how you're laying the tiles because you can only have four boards by the end of it, but you have to make sure you complete a board before you can get another board. And you can lay it out however you want. But it's, oh my god, it's so good. I love the art on it. It's it's fantastic art. The It's abstracted as all can be because it's polynomials or odd-shaped. Uh, yeah, they don't make any sense. sense. And you're just trying to, it, it's a puzzle. It's a spatial awareness. You're trying to fit everything in there properly for you can get your points. Uh, the tiles that you pull the highest ones are worth more are the ones on top so you want to try to pull them first because they're worth more points yeah. um you want to complete something uh first because it's worth more points and another one that i talked about um is the fact is uh, this one's another 3d printed people that are doing so like the bear statues that you get for oh yeah they're putting it in there in the spaces that w- once sure. you fill that because you can't the, fill that last yeah, spot spots, yeah. yeah and so once you complete all the other spots you can take a bear statue and put it onto that park and so some people have 3d printed where they put it on there and make it look like a bear statue in their park and i think it's an amazing game it's it's and it's inexpensive i think it's like 40 bucks yeah it's not bad at all and, it's and really good components yeah good components you yeah, have uh, cardboard it's lookout games correct absolutely uh so right there with gingerbread house i'd play this one over gingerbread house but that's not saying much i love gingerbread house as well it's just Baron Park is the one that, and it's got an expansion that has the best name ever, Bad News Bears. Yep. No, the Baron Park is definitely one of my go-to for as far as Phil Walker Harding. That's what put him on the map for me as far as 
it put, I had, it put him I, on the map. He was for already me. on my radar. Yeah. But as soon as I played that one, I'm like, okay. It put like, him on the map for me. Are... But the archaeology is the one that made it where he becomes an instant yeah. buy. Good deal. Very good pick. Uh, speaking of tile laying games, uh, where you're laying tiles on the board, my number twenty eight is a Days of Wonder tile laying game. Do you know which one? Days of Wonder tile laying game? The only one I could think of is Quadropolis. And you are correct. Quadropolis. <laughs> Quadropolis is so smart. You have a 4x4 four four grid and you have number tiles 1 through 4. You're placing one on the outside of it and you take the tile that is that number of spaces inward. So yeah. if I put down a 3, 3 spaces in from the direction of where I point it, that's the one I place. But because I put down a number 3, I have to place it in either my third column or third row. Mm-hmm. That's really it, but then you're trying to group them into different sectors. And you have to you're be smart to about it, too. score them in certain ways. Each one gives you either population or energy that you use towards other tiles. It This one has no right being um, as unknown as it is. I yeah. feel like a lot of people disregarded this because it's kind of a generic theme. I mean, city yeah. building is, is fine, but there's something so brilliant about the way this game is designed that I feel like it's underrated because uh, everybody who I've shown it to thinks it's a really in- inventive, ingenious game, but everybody who I haven't shown it to has never heard of it. Yeah, no, I get it. I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle because of the Suburbia fans. Because um, yep. it came out close to the same time, and mm-hmm. so a lot of people are like, well, I got this city builder, I don't need this city builder. I prefer Quadropolis over uh, Suburbia. I don't disagree with you, but the thing is, I don't think that they're... That it's fair to compare the two. I, I, I get They're that. definitely thematic, and they're both tile laying, and they both kind of do similar, a similar things. Concept, but, but it, they it's, are it's, such a different game. It's not me comparing them; it's everybody else. Everybody, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so I think another time, uh, another thing for it too is it, it was in between some of the big games for Days of Wonder because I think it was in between uh, when it came out it was like it's right after Yavitai and um, Five Tribes. Five Tribes, yeah. So it it just got lost in the shuffle. Of the two big Bruno. Beautiful Bruno Cathala games. Yeah. So it's another one that got lost in the shuffle. Another one that kind of reminds... It kind of reminds me of... Uh, I think it's the, the River. And though there's different reasons why people don't like the River because it's very simple. But it's another one that just kind of got lost in the shuffle because it was in between some of the bigger hits. Yep. Yep. I don't disagree with that. But that's my number 28. It beats out... Still beating out Gloomhaven and Castle Panic, Summer Park. Quadropolis. I'm shocked that, that that beat out like um, some of those other games you mentioned, including Gloomhaven. But I understand why Gloomhaven's as low as it is, as much as I don't like it. I mean, it's there's really these like thirty games are so hard to like. I mean, it, <laughs> I might as well just mix them all up and say them randomly because they're, they're all that level of quality. So we're moving on to my number twenty-seven, and when I talk about like. <laughs> quick games i'm surprised a lot of them have fallen into my top 20 my top 100 my top 30 because this is a very quick flipping right and it's one of my favorites apparently and i don't even own this one it's about building suburbia city planning you don't know which one this one is I think it's Deep Water Games. Oh, um, yeah. Welcome to? Yeah, welcome to. Yeah. I, I really enjoy this one. It's real simple. You have, I think it's three cards or three decks that are flipped. And then mm-hmm. whatever the number is, you put in one of the buildings, but you have to put it in a specific area. So if the discard pile next to one card has a fence on the back, you have to 
build a fence in an area. If it's got a pool, you have to make that number marked in a pool area for you to get the points off the pools and mark them off on the, the scarf sheet. And um, there's like trees, so you're building like parks in the neighborhood. So you got to fill in a number in that neighborhood and cross out one of the parks. It's a phenomenal game. I have a great time playing it. I need to pick up a copy. I just haven't. But I really enjoy rolling rights and flipping rights, surprisingly. <laughs> Yeah, but um, and there's probably one higher on this list that we'll talk about later. I'm certain there is. Yeah, but Welcome to is one that really put flipping rolling rights on my uh, map. I think I like flipping rights more than rolling rights, but there are a few rolling rights that I enjoy. And Welcome to is at the top of that list, close to it. Yeah, not a bad pick. I need to play this one again. It's been too long. Yeah, I I dig this game. I haven't played it in a while either, but it's still 27. Yeah, I feel like Boomerang would probably replace this one. It, it might. Rolling right. Yeah, it might. Me. Or flipping right. My number 27 is a game that you technically have already talked about. Because your version, I believe, was on uh, earlier in the list. Or at least a different theming of the same game. Because you like fantasy golems. I like ah. generic <laughs> spices. <laughs> and, and spice trade. No, Century Spice Road. My number 27. Fantastic game. It, engine building. Very simple. You have four different levels of spices that are increasingly more valuable. Uh, so much to the point. I never realized that saffron was so such a incredibly high valued spice. And I was at a local international market a few days ago. Yeah, and they had a little jar of saffron about that big, and it was only like, half full with like like little strands, and it was like twenty eight dollars. Yeah. Saffron's expensive. Yeah, and it's hard to import. And I've heard it's like it's hardly even like tasteful like it's just expensive for how you Mm -hmm. how you do it um but yeah so you have cinnamon saffron and a few other tamarind or tamarind turmeric turmeric yeah and so they're increasingly more valuable you're just trading them in either upgrading them for the next valuable spice or getting different ones or trading combinations for combinations based on the cards those cards that you get as an engine, you buy them from the front of the row. If you buy the first one, it's free. Anything past that, you have to put spices onto it or onto those cards, making them more valuable for the next players. But then same thing, contract fulfillment, trade in the spices, get points for it. Super satisfying. Everybody who plays it, plays it in like 30 minutes and they have, they have so much fun. I remember I demoed this to a group of gamers a few days ago. And when they were done, they were just like, wow, like, <laughs> this is, there's something so exciting about what I just played right now. You got so much game. So you remember about the, what you were saying about, I think it was Gizmos, where yeah. you're like, you got this engine and it's about the fire and you finish. Yeah, uh, this then, was my complaint from my friend Angel, where when we were playing the Century Golem is like, man, I really built this up really well and that the game's over. Yep. Yep. And then. Yeah, it happened that fast. Five five contracts, that's yeah. it. Yeah, it, it's, this is my highest ever Sin Matsuchi game, uh, and I absolutely adore it. They did a great job playing yeah, the no, games. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Uh, I think my century was uh, 41, somewhere yeah, around there. Somewhere. But yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. Uh, it's a good game. I prefer the, the Golems because I can see it better, and also it's more colorful. But I could understand why you like the other one, because you like bland urals. Absolutely. And this is right up your alley. Yeah. And it's good art for what it is. <laughs> no, I mean, it's I get great why art. Some people don't like this versus fantasy art. 
But I mean, thematically, I think it makes sense. Ah, what yeah, you're yeah. doing. And it just looks cool. So that's my number 27. All right. Moving on to my number 26. In shock. Not no, really. Nobody's shocked. Yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite games that I play in a, uh, the large groups. I, I think it's one of the best games because I think it holds up to seven people. And you're all mediums trying to figure out who murdered the ghost. Mm-hmm. Can you tell people what it is? Mysterium. <laughs> oh, yeah. As much as I like Obscurial and it might replace Mysterium somewhere down the line, I just love Mysterium itself because it's a pure co-op. I don't really like the in-game scenario part of it. I know some people house-ruled it and do a different things where uh, they could figure out. So what it is, uh, I think one of the house rules that I've seen is that uh, they can only see one card. And so they put them face down. And then the people who can only see one card flip that card. And then they make their choice off that card. And then the people who could see yeah. two cards, they flip a next card. They make their choice off of that. And the people who could see all three cards, they make their choice off of that. So I, it usually there's not a lot of people who only get one card. But I love the beginning of the game where you're trying to figure out who your person is and the location yeah. and the weapon and the cards that are going with it. It like you may mention it and made Dixit into a board game, yeah. a, a phenomenal board game at that. I really dig it. There's a lot of people who do house rules and stuff like that for that last part. They even replace the last part in Mysterium Park, the shorter, smaller version of the game. Mm -hmm. But even with that finicky roll at the end, I think this is a phenomenal game. And there's a reason why it's at 26. Yeah, good pick. I don't think it's higher on mine. Yeah, it's not. Uh, But no, it's a very good game. My number 26 is technically a deck building game. Technically? It's more of a card-building game. Ah, Mystic Veil. Mystic Veil, yeah. I I love this game. It's so good. Because you never have more than 20 cards in your deck. That's what you're stuck with. But you make them better because you put in clear cards overlaying the cards you previously have. You're building up this great combo of trying to get certain symbols to get Veil cards, which are worth points and abilities. Uh, The cards you play are worth points in their own right. You're getting point tokens based on what you're playing. You're also trying to build up this engine to buy better stuff, to get better cards. Uh, and you're always, you're always stuck with that one choice. Do I make one really amazing card or do I make all of my cards pretty good? What makes more sense? Because, man, that's a stand-up moment when you flip over that amazing card. You're like, yes, I got to play this. And it happens every time because you're recycling through your deck. So unless you make it like right at the end of the game, you'll probably see it numerous times. I love Mystic Veil. It, the, the only thing about Mystic Veil that I find odd is that the art is really pretty. It has really good art, yet at the same time, it somehow looks incredibly generic, even though it's really unique at the same time. I remember it took me a long time to fir- get that initial play just because it didn't look all that great. And, and I did think that the card crafting was going to be a gimmick, but it it's a gimmick that works. And it works really it, it, well. It's good. It's a pain in the butt sometimes trying to get those things in the sleeves. Sure, yeah. And the AP, I again, we've talked about this. You haven't seen it, but you were there when it was happening. And to this point, me yeah. and our friend Bryce have not played this game. We like it. It's just we're, we're terrified of the AP because it uh, just us rides. Us three will play it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Three we will play we it. might we'll, have a good we'll time with that. You will have a blast. <laughs> you guys will love it. Uh, my number 26, Mystic Veil. All right, we're in the top quarter. 
Top quarter. Uh, top 25. If this was NCAA football, these are the best of the best uh, teams. Okay. <laughs> I'm really curious as to if, if you're going to appreciate mine. No, I'm not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> <laughs> my number 25 is probably my favorite Simon game. Okay. I mentioned it earlier when I talked about Blood Rage. This is my highest rated version of the three of the, the trilogy of Eric Lang monster okay. games. This is Rising Sun. I enjoy the mess out of this game. I really, yeah, you can see I have everything. So just like under his hand was the box of monsters. Mm -hmm. So just on top of it, if you see in the background where Potion Explosion is, all that up is the stuff for Rising Sun. And I enjoy the mess out of this game. I have the playmat in my closet over here, um, which helps alleviate the problem with the board because they're, they're giant minis and the board, they, they just, you saw it. When we played a six-player game of it at the shop that one time and all those monsters and everything on the board, how crowded it is, the playmat fixes that. But I, I really enjoy it because I love the, the tea ceremony when you're making an alliance with a partner uh, and try, or going choosing to go it alone. Um, you're choosing these beautiful tiles of your actions for the first phase or the second phase because the tea, tea ceremony is the first phase. Second phase is your action selection part of it. And so what you're doing is you got three tiles and you could choose what to do with those tiles. So you can train, you can um, pray, and you can do other stuff or buy um, creatures out there uh, at a shop. And so I think it's a phenomenal game. Or you can just decide to betray your partner and lose some honor. But it's important because it's an area control game at heart. So you're trying to get your dudes on the map and win certain areas because that's what's going to score this round. And so you're setting that all up. And then you go into the third phase, which is the battle phase. And this is where it really sings for me. Because you have five parts in the battle phase. And you're bidding on each different part. So there's a Loki mechanism in this where you can co uh, commit seppuku, I think is what it's called. Where you could just keep honor of when you realize, hey, I'm going to lose this fight. Let me just keep my honor and get my victory points. Because the higher you're on the honor is the tiebreaker. So if you're highest on the honor, you're, you're basically the first player. You're going to win and all that. And so I think Rising Sun is a phenomenal game. A lot of the choices in it are really well. If you have everything like I do, the it, the variability is on par. But even the base game has some variability. So I, yeah. I I really enjoy this one. And Rising Sun has made it into my top quarter. Cool. I really need to try this one. My number 25, top quarter, is an abstract strategy game. And this is one of those games... That is from a publisher that has no right making abstract strategy games. Arcane Wonders? Nope. Well, Even more strange than that, because their whole business model is backstabbing and laughing. Oh, this is Shobu. Shobu. Shobu by Smirk and Laughter Games. Oh my god, Shobu is so good. I know you hate it. I don't care. It's so brilliant. <laughs> because the way it works is it's that... It's a good game. It's just... You have four boards, and each of them have a 4x4 four four grid, and you have four four of each player's tokens on each of the boards. The And there's a nice rope that is one of the components that separate the two boards, and they do matter. Uh, the left boards are lighter, the right ones are darker. Or it could be either one, it doesn't matter actually. But you move one of your pieces up to two spaces in a straight line. Then you have to mirror that exact same move on a board of the opposite color. 
So you have to first start on your side. You move either one of your eight pieces. Mm-hmm. And then you do that. Uh, let's say I do that on the dark board. Then I can move any other piece the exact same direction and number of spaces on one of the two light boards. And the idea is you're trying to push the other players' tokens off of off of the boards respect, respectively. The only time you can move something on your opponent's side of the boards is when you do that mirror of your second secondary move. And the first one has to be a passive move, so you can't push anybody with the second one, or with the first one, but you can with the second one. And so you have this whole mind melt of just trying to figure out, okay, everything's out in the open. It's a pure strategy game. I want to push this piece off, but I'm going to have to move one of the pieces on here. Do I even have the way to maneuver that? Like, Because I might be stuck on a corner and I can't push myself off a board to try and move those. Uh, oh my gosh. It, I still have people that I, when I first started demoing it at the shop, uh, I actually had a, one of our regulars hadn't been in the shop since the lockdowns and I saw him and he came up to me and was like, so did you start selling Shobu here yet? I was like, no, <laughs> we don't have a Shobu yet. He's like, oh. alright, I'll check next time. <laughs> and him and his girlfriend, they just, they're sold on it. As soon as they find it, they're going to buy it and they love every, every second of it. And I agree with it. I, as a fan of abstract strategy games, this is up there as one of the best. And I think it's my second highest rated on my list. So, Shobu, number 25. Alright, so, meh. I, I just realized I'm surrounded by dogs right now, so. I can't What'd move. you call? <laughs> I can't move around. Nope. You'll just have to be stuck. Sorry. Yeah, and so moving on to my number 24. This is my highest rated Garp Hill game, and I think you actually enjoy this one. Uh, uh, that's on my list. Okay, probably. And um, it's the one that we talked about that doesn't fit in the base box. Um, Paladins. Paladins of the West yes. Kingdom. I dig this game. I It's crunchier than Architects of the West Kingdom. By far, Architects of the West Kingdom is pretty simple compared to this one because mm-hmm. this one you have to decide how you're going to do which grouping you're going to play how you're going to place them on there which you're going to draw up are you going to go up onto this other board to defend are you going to go down here to get your pots of jars of that extra points and resources mm-hmm. or are you going to save them for the next round that help you f- build something else out onto the boards it's just there there is so much choice there there this is the crunchiest game in, well, no, it's the probably. Uh, I think there was one that's on par when it comes to that mind melt type decisions, but I think this is crunchier than the other one, and I'll get to it when in a few steps. But Paladins of the West Kingdom, phenomenal game, really enjoy it. But please, Garpill, I know you're doing these Kickstarters with the big box, but can you just just make big boxes, just normal size boxes for all the components can fit yeah. in it properly? Because <laughs> This game was by far the most ridiculous out of all the Garp Hill games that I've seen with the resources that you can't. And it still kind of um, lifts just slightly. You can see it on my Paladins over there. You can't see it really on the screen, but it's got about like a quarter of an inch lifted off the board just because all the components don't fit in it. Yeah. I would play this one again. So my number 24, Paladins of the West Kingdom. Yeah, it was good. Uh, My number 24 is the granddaddy of co-op games pandemic pandemic yep this is the one that set that set in motion so good uh, i have games. a cab or i have to say this um i took pandemic out of my list 
because if it played similar to another game, which I did... Which may or may not be on the list. Uh, may or I... <laughs> So, yes. There is a game that may or may not be on my list later. <laughs> and this was one of my exceptions to the... Yeah, to that role. Yeah, I get why you did it. The expansions are different. The base game is is technically different, and and what the legacy version, (sighs) which I'm sure is what we're talking about, Mm -hmm. it it evolves in such a way that you're playing a completely different game. As far as I'm concerned, see, but here's here's my decision for that. Because of the legacy game, I got rid of my original Pandemic because I don't think I'm ever going to play it. Yeah, and I I have been hard pressed to play it since. You know, Mm -hmm. I played the mini versions fairly often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other ones are fine. Yeah, the the full base game. Yeah, you're right. After the after the legacy versions, and I played all three legacies. Uh, I've only played the one, and it's just, it's really yeah. good. It's like I can't go back to vanilla <laughs> pandemic because I'm gonna be like, when's the big thing gonna happen? What's <laughs> right? No, I I liked it a lot, and but I mean I had to keep it on my list because pandemic. I I I kept it on because I wanted to see where it would place. Yeah, and it's 24. It still holds up. I love it. You're basically. Uh, you are a scientist going around. If you don't know what pandemic is, you are a scientist going around the world. Four diseases are kind of running rampant, and you're trying to save humanity. How 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 do people not know what pandemic is? We're we're living through one. I'm just throwing that out there in case you didn't. It's my number twenty four best game of all time. <laughs> huh, twenty four best game best game of all time. Okay, yep. so my number twenty three is another game that I talk about a lot, but I don't play as much as I want to, and I'm about to receive a Kickstarter that turns this game that was based on an aspect of another game and turns it into that said game in the Kickstarter. That made no sense what you just said. It will when I say the game. Is it the game? Role player. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Is my number twenty three, and it's a game. Drunk, go home. <laughs> it's a game based on the aspect of character building of Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, and with the expansions, it adds a little bit more. That it's got a sequel game that is basically Dungeons and Dragons off your role player character that you built in role player. It's okay. uh, called Role Player Adventures that's coming out. And yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's a game that's made off an aspect of a game that they turned into an actual game. <laughs> okay. It hurt my brain too, but it literally uh if you like character building in Dungeon and Dragon, this is the game for you. It's dice drafting. You're basically building the stats um some characters are proficient in certain areas, so they'll give you a plus two. You're trying to meet certain stats. You have your um, your background. You you have your alignment. You have your character choices. So you want, like, say if you're a ranger, you want more green dice in your pool because you're going to get points off of that. But you want to meet your certain requirements. So you want your dexterity at a certain number, which I think is like 14 or something like that. And you got to meet the exact number. Some of them where you have to meet a range of numbers. So you need to meet between 14 and 16 to get the full points of that. Some of them you need to hit just the exact number 14. But then there's cards that are saying, hey, you want a stupid character. So if you keep your intelligence under 8, you're going to get so many points. And I really dig this. The expansions add some fun where you can fight some monsters. The the other one adds some fiends and familiars. So there's some extra dice to draft and extra slots to play. But just the base game alone is highly recommended. 
it's generic fantasy that turned into this massive world that they build. So you have your role player characters, the monsters that you fight in the monsters and minions aspect are the characters you play in role player that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, and then there's other another game that's probably higher on this list out of this universe that I'm going to talk about. But yeah, this game is phenomenal and I can't wait to play role player adventures because I want to see how they take this dice drafting game about character building and turn that character into an RPG style adventure dice drafting game. Yeah, I am very hesitant about that because I like <laughs> role player quite a bit, but that I just don't, I don't understand how it can be good yet. I'm sure it's good because when we had that interview with Keith Mateka, uh, or Mate- Mate- Mateka, Mateka, I, I mean everything he he publishes is good. It's yeah. fun. It looks except really for great. his very first game you didn't like. Which one was that? Bullfrogs. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't care for that one, but I mean, it's just uh, he convinced me that everything that was good, but it's just this seems so wrong. I, like, I, I seen the previews of it and playthroughs of it. It looks really good, and yeah. I can understand why it's doing it. Yeah, I just I can't imagine like how it would be any different than D and D generic. But I, mean, <laughs> I I also haven't looked into it either. I I've been very hesitant to do so. Yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for it to show up. My number twenty three is another abstract strategy game. What else is new? I know that's not surprising. But, what what, this did, is what not did I say my at the last begin- one on the list? What did I say in the beginning of uh, the top one hundred? This is even my second to last one on the list. Uh, that people, uh, your taste is themeless and bland. Yeah, <laughs> themeless and bland. And this one is very simple. Uh, you have you basically a board of uh, started like with a, the Vaughn. You had Shobu just recently. Yeah, Shobu. And like I said, this isn't even my second to last <laughs> abstract strategy. I love abstract strategy. Uh, this is Corridor. <laughs> Where you have four pawns, uh, really you play a two-player, you're building a maze, trying to get to the other side faster, but you both have to traverse the maze. I love it, because the first rule is you have to always leave a way for the other player to get to the other side. You can't completely block them off. That, that would be against the rules. But the third rule, or but the main rule, is that you either move your pawn one space, orthogonally, or place a wall. Simple as that. And all you're trying to do is make a situation where they have to traverse more of the maze than you do to get to the other side. It's so brilliant. If that sounds the slightest bit interesting, I know I'm not (coughs) selling it. And I know you're like passing out, going into a comatose state. It's so great. There's so much headiness behind it. Um, And I believe, I know one of them either... The, the other one that's highly regarded in the series, or this one, was featured on uh, Mean Girls, the movie. I, I, don't, I know you're a movie buff. I don't like that movie. I can't stand that movie. I had to watch it when we were doing a challenge of watching the... what There was a poster that was going around that was like oh, the yeah. 100 greatest movies of all time. And I'm like, how is this how, voted yeah, how as... That <laughs> yeah. But no, um, at one point, Tina Fey's desk as the teacher, she has one of those... She can make, uh, on the desk as she's teaching. I don't know why. It makes no sense for it to be there, but I guess it looks smart. Um, I think it's awesome. And it, it's an abstract strategy game that actually works well with four players as well. Normally, these are only two-player head-to-head. This There is a four-player version where you can play four pawns and you each just get five walls instead of the ten. That's all you need. Bland and tasteless. 
Oh, so good. <laughs> Love it. Love every minute of it. I moving, don't care. Moving on to number 22. Let's talk about Bland and Tasteless. Oh. It's not Bland and Tasteless, but the board is pretty boring if you have the base game. And this is, well, the other one I was saying that's, that's pretty crunchy and has some meat on its bones, and that is Terraforming Mars. <laughs> you gotta admit, that board is ugliest. <laughs> I like the shiny pieces. <laughs> I like the way Mars looks. <laughs> I don't like when you cover it up. Which is the <laughs> yeah, point yeah. of the game. But Mars looks cool by itself. I, and I have the, the upgraded box and the, the 3D printed stuff that came with it. They're, they're fine. They're not the greatest quality. I think uh, if I had a 3D printer or I knew people with 3D printers, they would probably be able to print me better stuff than what came out of the mass production of this really expensive big box. Mm-hmm. But the, the whole reason I wanted the big box is because it keeps everything in one box and allowed me to consolidate my shelf. Not by much because that's a massive size box right there. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's as big. Actually, it's bigger than my Rising Sun and its Monster Pack together. <laughs> so it's 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 a good game though. I really enjoy it. There's a smaller version of it out called uh, Ares Expedition that people are saying basically might be the killer. But I really really dig. And our mutual friend Dom even told me he uh, he says it's fine. But he, he just because he really likes terraforming Mars, I think he likes it more than Ares Expedition, and I okay. I, I agree. I I really enjoy Ares Ex, or Ares Expedition, uh, ter- regular terraforming Mars. I think it's a great game, and I when I saw Ares Expedition, I'm like, do I really need that? And I didn't back the Kickstarter. If I can find it at Target whenever it goes on clearance, I might pick it up, just because I enjoy the game and. If I can play a shorter version of it, like if I'm traveling or just mm-hmm. hanging out with some friends that don't want to play a game that's going to last maybe two hours, which we did it when the first time you and I played it together, we forced that game to finish in like an hour and a half. We brute forced it because we knew we were playing with someone who has AP and without even talking about it, you and me are just like, nope. Let's so, do this. And so we're, fast. Let's do this. Yeah, we're pumping up the ocean. I think I was raising the oxygen level. Yeah. Both of us were, we're doing temperature. We're it faster than you can even imagine. <laughs> it's like, we got lucky, too. Foliage for miles. <laughs> we got lucky, too, because of the way the cards lay when yeah. we got them. But, yeah, I had a great time. We took a game that a lot of people say take three hours. And this is just the base game. We haven't played the expansions on it. Yeah. But uh, we took the base game and just made it like an hour, hour and a half game to where our mutual friend uh, Dom, who was playing in this one with us and there was another player as well he was just like oh god i see what you guys are doing and he started getting in on it because he's like i gotta get my points in this game yep, yep. he had to catch up real fast but Did yeah he end up catching up or? yeah he i think he, he he ended up in third i think it was oh wow i'm surprised he didn't go back to new orleans <laughs> yeah somehow. this is one of the few times he didn't go back to new orleans because he was trying something different because he's played it multiple times and he's like me so he was like okay let's try this strategy and see how it works and it he had a pivot because you and me decided, nope, we're not playing this game. Yeah, we're not going to give you the time. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, cool. Good pick. Uh, my number 22 is one that I I didn't think much of at first. And then uh, after I played it, the, my initial thoughts of it were like, okay, it seems all right. It seems like a decent Euro game. Dice drafting. And uh, when I ended up playing it, I fell in love with it. And I showed you how to play it, and you ended up having to buy a copy. Uh, is this Onitama? No. But it it was... is not an abstract. It's a dice drafting game. Dice drafting, action selection. Is it uh, Castles of Burgundy? No. Really? 
It is right behind me, and you can't see it. That's why I was looking around. Pioneer Days. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm surprised this hasn't been on your list yet. I It, it didn't make the top 100. It was, like, in the top 180. From I'm really surprised I'll have to look at my game list again, but, yeah, I, I dig it. I really enjoy it. In fact, uh... I, I have fond memories of playing with your son because he he loved the chaos fairy and he loved causing the storms <laughs> and stuff like that. Oh, and he kicked he can, our butt. Yeah, he can be destructive. It's really good. Not only was he destructive, he kicked our butt in points too. Yeah. Well, I just like how, you know, you're, you're dice drafting. It all makes perfect sense. But there's one die that's left over and that determines which of the catastrophes you're going to end up facing or the disasters, whether it be famine or a storm or just everything. Um, it, it's really neat how it works, and I like how it's multi-use dice, which is a really rare thing. You could either use that those dice for the action that it's shown, or you can use it for picking up one of the, uh, like hiring one of the workers that are below it that each have their own abilities or end game points, or you can use it to get money, because if you don't like the actions, you can trade it in for the money that you're also going to need. It's so smart. I think uh, the designer, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, Matthew Dunstan, uh, he's one of the two designers on it. That's what put him on the map for me. And now if I see one of his games, especially if he's working with like Phil Walker Harding or or Brett Gilbert, I'm definitely going to keep an eye out for it. I think it's a phenomenal game and I'm so glad. I worry about it too because it's also a tasty minstrel game. Mm -hmm. And so we had this discussion on one of the previous episodes, but... I don't know where it's going to go from here, but it's a fantastic game. And I can imagine, like, if you got one of the, like, Capstone or one of the companies that really go out of their way to make uh, phenomenal production and art, it's already a great production. Yeah, and a cheap but, price. Well, I got it for a cheap price. I think it's normally, what, 40 MSRP? It's uh, 40 50 something yeah. like that. It's not the cheapest game, but there's a lot going on. So, it's fantastic. That is Pioneer Days, my number 22. It was 243 for me. I think you need to get more plays. I think, I think I, it's going to climb. I, I do. I do really enjoy it. I just you've the, played the, it once or twice. Twice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so finally, our last game for me on this list. You got one more coming up, and this is my favorite Star Wars game. Oh, yeah. It's not Outer Rim, is it? No. Oh wait, no. This is my second favorite Star Wars game that I'm looking at my list. Uh, it's right behind your head right there. It's And it's basically the Rising series. Uh, I personally oh, yeah. picked uh, Star Wars Dark Side Rising because I just like Star Wars. Sure. Um, I think it's a phenomenal game. I love the co-op aspect of it where you're, you're taking your dice and you're playing it out. Thanos Rising is another one. You also have Dark yep. Death Eaters Rising or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> there's Plankton a SpongeBob. Rising. Yeah, there's a SpongeBob version of it. Which I think is a very different game from what I can tell. Uh, the the SpongeBob one is based off the Death Eater Rising one, so okay. you can you can always fight the big bad in a sense. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I think when I had the ability to buy the Star Wars version, because mm-hmm. it it was only available internationally. Yeah, it's only available internationally right if now. If I get the chance to buy it, I'm probably gonna trade in my Thanos Rising. I, like... I don't care about superheroes. I like to keep the Thanos Rising because I have friends who are more of a Marvel fan than, say, Star Wars. So I like to give them their choice. But I I dig the the Rising series. I think it's really good. Um, And I've 
this was one of the few games that kept me through the lockdown because our mutual friend that I mentioned earlier, Angel Maria, they have a version as well. And so we were just having one board being ran. So mm-hmm. like um, like Angel Maria's board would be the one that's the driving force. So they tell us, hey, take this card out, put it on your board. And we just have our dice. We roll them and say, hey, we eliminated this character or we did this. And so they would show it on their board as well. And so they would flip the next card up and then we would dig through our deck so if, if you have two copies of it you could play it over zoom it's just difficult but it was a game that we had a blast with and it really climbed my list because of that yeah. and so my number 21 star wars dark side rising good pick uh my number 21 is probably the only legacy game that i've completed that i will gladly play another time through and and it's even replayable now and you were part of this experience, and you know how good Betrayal Legacy was. Mm-hmm. And that's because the I'm willing to play it again another time through because the scenarios are going to be different. different. I haven't seen a good portion of the storyline. I know some of the main mechanisms, sure, and the main components. But now we have a completely playable copy, and my family has expressed interest in playing it. So we might even do that... I think it's one of the best legacy games hands down ever made. Uh, again, Rob Davio knows how to make legacy games yes, if does. they already established IPs. I've heard some issues about Seafall. Uh, I'm still excited to play it at some point. But it, it's awesome. It's really great. If you even remotely like Betrayal at House on the Hill and think that Betrayal Legacy might be for you, it is for you. It's If you even like that game... Oh, if you like Betrayal, like Betrayal on the Hills or Baldur Gate, uh, Betrayal on Baldur's yep. Gate or something like that, or even the Scooby-Doo one that just recently came out, yep. try Betrayal Legacy. Uh, it's a bit darker, so if you're playing Scooby-Doo with your family, I, I wouldn't sure. recommend this with younger kids. But I think it's a phenomenal game. I It was on my top 100 as well. I think it was lower. I didn't expect it to be that low. I thought it would have been yeah. higher. No, this is this is up there. It's my number 21 for a reason. So that really was one of the best gaming experiences we've had. Yeah, it, it led to a lot of memorable moments. Yep, absolutely. But there you go. Uh, that's our second to last top 20 list. And Numbers 40 through 21. We're getting ready to start the big one. Yeah, so it's definitely stay tuned. Uh, like our friend Creative Chaos and anybody else who joined us live, if you ever want to watch one of our live episodes and see it, you know, up to a week before it even gets released on other <laughs> platforms, uh, join us. Subscribe at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames, and that way you can get notified when we go online. As well as you can find all video re-uploads found on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do here, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not, like the video, and comment down below. And tell us your thoughts on the subject. All audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. If you have an idea for a future episode, or just even want to reach out and, and say hi, you can contact us directly at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. As well as you can also get in contact with us on our official Twitter account at EBG Podcast. So we want to thank you so much for tuning in. This has been a really fun episode. Definitely tune in for the next one, our top 20 games of all time mm-hmm. as of August uh, 2021. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.